The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Oblivion. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What's up, Jason? How's it going, Kerwin? Good, man. What are you drinking today? Uh, delicious uh, IPA, Stone. Oh, okay. Uh, also joining me today is Mugga. How you doing, Mugga? Yo, yo. What are you drinking today? Also a delicious IPA. Our special guest today is Darren. Darren, how are you? I'm doing well, Kerwin. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. What are you drinking today? Today I have a Budweiser Freedom Reserve Red Lager. It's quite delicious. Also joining us today is Bling making a return. How are you, Bling? Good, good. What are you drinking today? Uh, I have some lukewarm uh, Arrowhead water. Sounds <laughs> fan-terrible. Same as last time, huh, Bling? Uh, I, I meant to bring some Bodella, but I forgot. He doesn't like change. That's why he only has dollar bills in his wallet. <laughs> so the movie we're reviewing today is Oblivion, released April 19th, 2013. Produced by Relativity Media, Sherman Entertainment, Monolith Pictures, and Radical Studios. Distributed by Universal Pictures. The movie stars Tom Cruise, Morgan Freeman, Olga Kirilenko, Andrea Rasborough, Nikolai Coster-Waldo, and Melissa Leo. Written by Carl Gujasek and Michael DeBruin. Directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who also directed Tron Legacy, Only the Brave, and is slated to direct... Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to Top Gun, whenever that comes out. It's supposed to come out in 2019, but got pushed back. That's for, the actual title. It's not Top Gun 2. It's Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. I can't wait. It's all about Tom Cruise and go. that physique. <laughs> That's never going away, is it? Never. <laughs> it's never going away, man. I even know about that one, Jason. <laughs> in the future, humanity has moved on from Earth after a war against invaders known only as scavengers left the planet devastated. Jack Harper, played by Cruz, is a field mechanic left behind on Earth to repair and protect generators that'll siphon energy from the Earth's oceans to a new colony on Titan, one of Saturn's moons. Jack's recurring dreams about a past he assumes he did not live, coupled with his constant curiosity, lead him to find out that the life he's currently living isn't at all what it seems. So before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga, why don't you hit us with the financials? So this movie cost is pretty uh, pretty expensive, 160 million to go ahead and create. It actually made 286 million though, but it didn't do well in American soil. Only 89 million here, but adding all that up, it basically made a profit of 126 million. So it was successful, but nowhere near that I thought it should be. Yeah. Should have been really a big blockbuster, but it wasn't. Yeah. So definitely overseas people. Kind of. Yeah, 187 overseas, only 89 on, on domestic. Um, this movie. Came out in 2013 at the time it came out it was actually tom cruise's best opening weekend draw making 37.1 million only coming after mission impossible film series and war of the worlds so at that time we were only at four mission impossible films one two and three and ghost protocol as well as war of the worlds and oblivion at the time was his fifth highest grossing opening which is crazy people love this film i guess i do they do. I do. Uh, yeah, That's so, uh, debatable. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, Jason, speaking of love in the film, why don't you tell us how people felt about it? So looking at Rotten Tomatoes, critics give it a 52. Audience gives it a 61. I feel like that's a little high. Mugga, what do you it think should, about it that? It should be higher. It should be higher. <laughs> oh, you think that's not high enough? That's not high enough at all. Mm, okay. Well, we'll find out later. What do you guys think? 61, do you agree or disagree? I disagree with that. That's the that's the critics consensus? 61. That's no, it got lower on critics, 52. Crit- yeah, oh, critics was really? 52. Yeah. And the audience was 61? I'd probably put this at like a 75 or 80, honestly. That's... It depends. It depends. I mean, is this this is over time though, correct? So I mean, maybe it start off higher or lower. <laughs> Do you guys agree with the sixty one or not? 
I think 61 is a good number. I think it could be a little bit higher. Like 20% higher? Or? Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe around 70, 75, like Kerwin said. Uh, it should have just cruised its way to the charts. Yeah, all, right. <laughs> all right. Getting into behind the scenes. Uh, Oblivion is actually based on an idea for a graphic novel that the director Kaczynski had that he was working on for Radical Comics. He never really finished the graphic novel, but he did use the story and visual assets as a way to pitch Oblivion to studios. At one point, Walt Disney actually owned the rights to Oblivion, but they relinquished the rights after they couldn't get a rewrite of the film that would kind of match the PG rating that they wanted to get out there. So they let it go and Universal eventually acquired the rights, Universal being the ones that produced this film. Once it made its way to Universal, it got a couple of rewrites. And one of the guys to actually do the final rewrite was Michael Arndt, who's known for Little Miss Sunshine, for which he won an Oscar, I believe, for Best Screenplay. He worked on Toy Story 3, and he worked on Star Wars The Force Awakens. So that's a good resume, in that's my opinion. That's pretty good, yeah. yeah. And Universal even said... <laughs> It's one of the most beautiful scripts they've ever come across. I, I mean, so, really. So when you oh, think about it, do you think Disney is thanking their lucky stars that they didn't make this film? Or It made over $100 million. I mean, Well, if Disney made it, it would have just been like some PG nonsense. Yeah, like, it would have ruined the film. Yeah, I think so. And you wouldn't have got that classic line at the end. Oh, wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> wait for it. Yeah. Wait for it. Oh, best line in the movie, honestly. When it came to the production design of this movie... Um, I think we can all agree that the movie looks fantastic. That's because of two things. The director wanted to make sure that form followed function for a lot of the things that we see in the movie, where there's the spacecrafts, the ships, the drones. Everything looks clean. Everything huh? looks yeah. clean and everything looks... Believable. Pr- believable. I think the yeah. word is believable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Visually, yeah. You, you, you can't really tell where... You think they had to use blue screens and CGI for a lot of the... But screen. he wanted to shoot a lot of stuff without the... I mean, a lot of stuff was real. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. And that's why it's really hard to tell. I I couldn't even tell the first time I saw it, like what, what is real and what's graphically created on the screen. And for that, he even went to a concept car company to build the bubble ship shown in the film, the main ship that Tom Cruise flies around on all his missions. He modeled that after after a helicopter, right? Yes. Is that the Bell 47? Yep. So that was also featured in a famous TV show, MASH. MASH, yes. Oh. So it's not the exact model, but it's based off of that same model that was used in that show too. Interesting. The other main thing that the director wanted to do was kind of bring sci-fi into the daylight. For anybody that follows a lot of sci-fi movies, it's usually dark, especially post-apocalyptic films. A lot of it is dark, grungy, dirty, indoors. He really made an effort to take us outside to show what the earth looked like in nature, but not just you know dark and rainy and depressing. A lot of the shots he took are very beautiful, colorful, and I think that that really does help to set Oblivion apart from a lot of the post-apocalyptic blockbusters that you see nowadays and, and during that time as well as in the past. Right. And the, the panoramic shots were great. And then I thought the scene with the lake, I thought it was just gorgeous, it was filmed up in Mammoth and June Lake, right? Yeah. I, thought, I just thought it was gorgeous. It really catches your eye. Again, clean is, I think, the yeah. word I would use. He also filmed in Iceland uh, in addition to Mammoth and June Lake, but he, he went to Iceland and kind of took advantage of that uh, almost 24-hour daylight to get shots of a lot of the, the natural landscapes. And he managed to shoot a lot of the movie in 4K. But unfortunately, due to budgetary reasons and whatever costs, we had to get the release of the film in 2K. Funny enough, the most difficult shot to get in the film was actually one of what I thought was the simplest at first. It's Tom Cruise sitting on that ledge. Yeah, so it's in Iceland. They call it Earl's Peak. Yeah, the shot's not very long, I feel like. It's probably one of the coolest scenes that they shoot in it. And not only what it looks like in the film, but how they did it. 
So the drop off is about 800 feet, but in order to get to it, the crew, they could not climb. So they had to be helicoptered up to that ledge. With the supplies, I thought, right? Yeah, with the supplies. Yeah. So they had a helicopter, not only the crew, but the supplies. While the crew was up there, oh, everyone... So, so that that was a real scene? That was yes. like CGI? Oh. The, well, the, what, the machines that are sucking up the water, obviously that is CGI, yeah. but that panoramic view is, is completely real. Oh, wow. so Except those, for the ocean there, right? There was no ocean up there, So right? those weren't real machines sucking up water? If they are, we're in trouble. <laughs> 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 Again, the CGI was... Magnificent. I mean, and it's such a short scene. Is that scene, like, with how much it costs, is it necessary? I don't know. Because he has the plant right there where he waters it. I don't, it's almost like he's questioning what is going on as he overlooks the machine. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was necessary. It just seemed like a very difficult scene to shoot. And it does look amazing, but I think, like, don't you think that's one of the times where you just kind of be like, all right, we can, we can just kind of do this in post. Yeah, also Maybe. just looking at just... But that's not what the director wanted. Oh, no, that's not what he wanted. But, like, when you think about the difficulty of that shot of him just kind of sitting there. Financially, it makes no sense. It probably costs a lot to get that 40 seconds. Well, and the danger aspect, too. I mean, like I said. Well, Tom Cruise is really big on his own stunts, though. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a good thing he takes care of his body, man. Like, he's got the physique to do it. Sorry, we beat you to the punch on that one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I wasn't really going there. But uh, I was going to say the crew and everyone, minus Tom Cruise, was, you know, helmeted and harnessed in the entire time because they were trying to avoid any kind of injury just because of how scary it was to be up there and not being able to climb back down as easily. So I, I, it's an interesting scene to shoot for how dangerous it was. You know, speaking of Tom Cruise, you know, doing his own stunts, putting himself in danger. He was actually pretty interested in this movie well before it went into production and he was one of the first people signed to do it. As far as the other roles in the movie, the two major female leads the role of Julia, which is Olga Kirilenko's character, Jack's wife in the film, was initially given to Jessica Chastain, who eventually dropped out to go film Zero Dark Thirty. Other people who were up for the role include Olivia Wilde, Britt Marling, Anumi Rapace, and of course, Kirilenko, who the role went to after Chastain dropped out. As far as the role of Victoria, before Andrea Risenborough was cast, Haley Atwell from Captain America, First Avenger, Diane Kruger, and Kate Beckinsale, uh, underworld fame uh, were also considered. I wonder how if Kate Beckinsale would have got the role. I, I think she would have yeah, definitely had a different take on. I mean, did you guys like Vicka? It's weird. I, I don't know. She was awkward at times. Not saying she wasn't bad, but. I think we were meant to feel that way about the character. Because she's confused in general, right? Yeah, I think because she's so a part of the machine and Tom Cruise's character kind of states this from the beginning, like she's not willing to question what he is. If her role is to make the audience feel as though we can't relate to her, or kind of feel put off by her dedication to the system that they're she did part a great of. job. She at did it. a great job if that's what she was trying to do. Anybody else got any behind the scenes stuff they want to talk about? The set that they made for his house, very panoramic view that you could see throughout the whole movie. And wondering how they shot that, I did some research. They went up to a volcano on Maui, Haleakala, had three cameras up there, and they filmed sunrise, sunsets, clouds, all that. And they used that instead of actually importing it after with a blue screen, because I guess a blue screen was going to shed color onto the actual actors and actresses and the set. And because of that, they used, I want to say, was it 22 projectors is what we thought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 22 projectors that they, on a 270-degree panoramic thing around the set. And Tom Cruise said it was one of his favorite sets of all time. And you could just see everything. I thought it was really cool. Well, I also thought that the, the actors enjoyed it more than anything, too. They said it's tough sometimes acting in front of a green screen. Right. They don't, maybe it's not tough, but they don't enjoy it as much. Much, but they said because they can see actually what they're supposed to see. Yeah, yeah, what they're supposed to see, the clouds, the sunrise, the sunset, you know, it being night, the actors enjoyed doing it because 
it felt like they were really there. It felt more like on set. Yeah. It was more natural for them. Yeah. Well, my my, my thing is, too, if you're watching that, you're probably thinking that entire thing is all CGI. When they built that set and everything back there is not, I mean, I I think that, I I think that was great. I don't know. That's that's one of the things. In our background, I thought it was CGI until you told me otherwise. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that either until you brought it up. The other thing, too, like that actually helped cut a lot of special effects and post production costs because they didn't have to work with blue or the green reflecting off the actors. They didn't have to work on recreating glass effects. Or I also heard they also didn't have to recreate the lighting. So if it was like a lighting that was supposed to be take place at the sunset, instead of getting that gloom, it, it already did it for them. They said it, it just, it opened a lot of doors for them, but I, I thought that was cool. Well, also you said that it was 270 degrees, right? Yes. So the way that the room that they're, you're looking at, most of the movie is set up, like it goes all the way around. So three home. walls are transparent. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I also like the bubble ship too. A lot of times I feel like they use models or, or, or something else. They, they built they, a real life size actually, one. They actually built it. You know, Tom Cruise also had a part, the feel, the look of the joystick, the pedals, everything like that. He kind of had a hand in it and Tom Cruise Cruise, I didn't know this till this movie and doing some research that he's actually a pilot. So mm-hmm. when he got in there, he kind of gave them, you know, his field, like, you know, different changes and stuff like that. So he's a real life pilot or are you talking about Mavericks? Ah, no, he's a real, <laughs> believe it or he's not, a licensed pilot. I know. I'm adding to your whole repertoire of stuff you like about Tom Cruise, including his physique. And uh, oh, don't, try to, don't try to move this. Don't deflect I mean, yeah. I mean, athleticism, athleticism. But no, I, I thought that I mean, the people that designed the bubble ship, they, they were really happy that they actually got to put something physical something real that was life-size together they, they they enjoyed that a lot i thought that was kind of cool so also to add to the gyroscope they call it also a gimbal they built the bubble ship but in addition to that they mounted the actual bubble where tom cruise the cockpit that tom cruise sits in and it was on a gyroscope so they're able to turn manipulate it and they get that first person view of the action sequences again tom cruise is again learning that he's a pilot he was very comfortable doing this kind of stuff the the actress that, the played, that julia, played julia she did yeah, not like she it did all. not like it so before she did this, she was reading different articles. She watched different videos on astronauts and kind of learning what to expect going to this. But she was definitely uh, not comfortable. And it's funny because you watch her knowing this and you can kind of see the, the terror and the fear in her face when they're going through some of these sequences because she is definitely not as comfortable as Tom Cruise is in that. You got to do your own stunts when you do uh, movies with Tom Cruise. <laughs> you got to play the part when Tom's there, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's get into our experience with this film. I'm going I'm to save the best for last. So, Jason, why don't you tell us about your experience with Oblivion? All right. So, uh, be nice. I already know where he's going with this. I'll try. I mean, I I, kind of delve into this a little bit when we did our 20 minute scene review of the opening. But when I was introduced to this movie, I had no idea really about it. I remember seeing the trailer for it, but uh, it was was opening day of football. Oh, you never watched it since then? Well, I mean, that was when I got introduced to this movie. And you hyped it up so much. You're welcome. Uh, no, uh, I'm not welcome. Uh, but uh, you, you talked about it a lot. And, you know, I was shown the opening scene that day. And, you know, it was okay. Um, I, I don't think I watched it till a couple months later. From then, I didn't watch it till just... I think you yelled at me that day. And you had not seen the movie yet? Yeah, no. That's some bullshit, man. I think I, I tried to watch it, but I couldn't get through it. So it took me a couple tries. I think I've probably spent, you know, a few dollars on this, renting it and re-renting it, just trying to muscle through this movie. Muscle, not power through. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, Tom Cruise could muscle through most things. That according is true. According to Jason. Yeah. yeah, according to Jason. Yeah, yeah. he could do all kinds of stuff. No, no, no I, I watched it, you know, this week, you know, last Sunday, I think fully all the way through in one shot. You know, I had a couple beers and it, it, it was good. It, it, was, it was interesting, but I mean, like I, I said, it, there's so much hype around it from one of our uh, co-stars here on the podcast that I feel like for the record it's not me 
It's not Kerwin. Yeah, it's definitely not Kerwin. I'll own it. This or movie's I, great. Yes. Yeah, the guests don't endorse it either. Yeah, some of the guests, or at least one of the guests, has actually thrown this movie in the trash. No, he said that was staged. It was fake. It wasn't even real. <laughs> I believe what I see, Mug. I believe what I see. But yeah, so I mean, like I said, I watched it again for the first time, you know, all the way through, you know, this week. But yeah, there's a lot of hype surrounding it. So I think my opinion might be a little influenced, but. Okay. Uh, Bling, why don't you tell us about your experience with this movie? Uh, so my, my story is very similar to Jason. So Mugga was... Really? Okay, let's hear this. Was, ...was hyping up this movie so much. Curiosity got me. So I went to Best Buy, bought the Blu-ray. It was actually on sale, surprisingly. So I took it home. I watched it. Um, my experience with it, uh, the first time around, I actually was falling asleep during certain parts. So I actually had to like go back and rewatch it. Visually, it looked great. After I was done with the movie, I was so disgusted. Like, wow, I spent money on this. I threw the, the Blu-ray away. About to so, climb over this However, block. I was asked, I was tasked, hey, you need to do a review on this movie. And so I went to the trash can, pulled it out, <laughs> and I watched it again about two days ago. And, you know, the second time around, I actually did enjoy it. The first time around, I wasn't a big fan. But the second time around, you know, I actually did appreciate it. I did enjoy it. So you weren't dragged to Mugga's room on opening day in the dark. No, so I, I I didn't get that that that, that first. Oh, okay. Uh, so you didn't get the full treatment. Yeah, I was I was not coerced into watching the opening scene. God knows how many times. Not enough. Not enough. No, I I, I did not get that that personal one on one. Okay, I was just curious. I was just curious if you did get that. Yeah, for anybody <laughs> that wants to know about that opening scene, be sure to check out Extra Credits Number One, uh, <laughs> where we definitely go into detail about how Mugga feels about that intro. As far as my experience with the movie, I do remember seeing this movie for the first time in theaters when it came out. I saw it the week it came so out. So you're the only one, I think, that watched it in theaters because yeah. I never saw it in theaters either. I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was a pretty good movie, you know, and I kind of just let it disappear into... Oblivion? Yeah. <laughs> disappear <laughs> into... Oblivion. Yeah, disappear into oblivion. Did you know they actually changed the title at one point? It wasn't going to be called Oblivion? Really? It was originally going to be called Oblivion, then they changed it, they went back to Oblivion. So, yeah, I saw this in the theater, kind of forgot about the movie entirely. I do remember enjoying it until, you know, one day I came over to Muggas and it's opening day uh, football, NFL football, and he just can't stop talking about this movie. I, I don't know what Tom Cruise paid him to to make him advertise the shit out of this thing, but he was bringing people back to his room one by one. No, it was not one at one at a time. It was like three or four people. No, I mean, no, that's no, all, no. Yeah. You got two people sitting here right now. There was no way telling it was one you, at a time. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Mugga, Mugga loves this movie to death. I always thought it was good. I, I think he overhypes it a little bit. And yeah, I got to say, it's it's a, it's a really solid movie. I, I, I don't think it gets enough credit. Darren, why don't you tell us your experience with this movie? Yeah, totally. I think my experience is similar to uh, Jason and uh, Bling's here. In hindsight, remembering uh, Mugga hyping up the movie, um, as he does so much with a lot of movies, I was like, here we go. Here we go again with another Mugga movie. Uh, never got to see it then. Uh, was never interested in it, never was exposed to it. Fast forward to this past week, tried to watch it after a night out, which was a bad idea, trying to watch it in the middle of the night. You don't want to end on a downer. Yeah, <laughs> so got up the next morning, uh, powered through it, and pleasantly, I, I was actually happy with, with the movie. So uh, that's kind of how I was exposed to this movie. And You're welcome. My experience with it. Nice. So I, it's hard to say thank you, Mugga, but... Thank you for getting me to it. All right, so uh, we definitely saved the best for last. 
I and <laughs> he looks so he looks so eager to talk <laughs> about this. No, it's not. Yeah, it's I'm just, not even. I'm not even going to introduce you. Tell us. So no, I mean, like I I know like they should give me a little marketing like cash on this because I I do market it. But I I feel like when I first saw it by myself, somehow I got the DVD. I watched it and I just fell that opening scene. I know you guys laugh, but I'm telling you, even in the behind the scenes stuff, the director says to the CGI guy that that part is CGI. We all know that you can't build that structure three thousand feet above, which is called the Sky Tower. But he literally says, hey, this is the one crucial scene that we have to get right because this is where the audience is going to get hooked and believes what's going on. It just hooks you right away. But um, I watched it, fell in love with it. I, I know I've been since then watching it numerous times, trying to get all my friends to watch it. But I didn't see it in theater, which is one of my biggest regrets in life, I guess. But uh, um, I didn't even find out about it until it actually was on DVD. I had never even like thought, heard about it. it. I don't know, whatever it was. But uh, I saw it here at my house and and uh, just fell in love with it. And I've, ever since then, it's, I think it's in my top 25. Let's move on to Trash or Treasure. We'll each talk about something we love and something we hate about the film we're reviewing today. So Jason, why don't you start off with your Trash or Treasure? So I'm going to hate some of the things I say right now because I feel like I've been kind of against this. But there are some things I really do enjoy about the movie. I know, I know, I know. There's some things I do like about the movie. You do like his physique, right? Yeah. Well, to. honestly, his physique, I, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You don't see a lot of it, which I'm kind of yeah, bummed about. Yeah, that suit doesn't really do him justice. I, I, I mean, you got the one shower scene, but I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. whatever. There uh, it is. <laughs> one thing that's, that's really cool, I like, and I'm, I hope I'm not stealing this for anyone, but the sounds of the drones. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like not only do the, like the drones as a whole, the front of the drone looks like a face. And I feel like the sounds of the drone are like, when you have the sound bar hooked up and you're watching this on a decent sized TV and you got it cranked, the sounds of these drones. Oh yeah, it's great. I kind of <laughs> wish Mugga wasn't here right now. <laughs> uh, but no, the, the, the sounds are really, they're intimidating. They're it's like, scary. It's like hellish. But at first, in the first wailing. in the movie, don't you feel like it's kind of like your friend? And then as the movie goes on, it becomes like quickly a bad, no, because like, it's like when the, drones the are villain. Like, when the drones are like in a pacified state, they kind of beep like a, R2, right. like a deeper R2, yeah. R2 kind of cute sound. When they're antagonistic, they have this like, howling echoing sound that's just like super frightening and demonic i can't describe it it's like a siren and then there's where like do you a, hate like, them like a whoosh yeah, yeah like yeah. you you're you're like totally afraid of these things yeah because yeah. they go from zero to a hundred real quick yeah like drake oh there it goes <laughs> darren's looking confused right now. <laughs> who's drake I, yeah. <laughs> darren i'm just as confused as you are it's, it's sir <laughs> anyway um but yeah no I, I like the drones but you're right mugs i feel like at first well i guess you were saying too kerwin like it's 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 hard to interpret like are they friendly i guess with tom cruise they're a little more friendly because they're not directly going after him <laughs> But some of, most of the sounds that they make are just like, it, it's really intimidating. It kind of reminds me of like Terminator, kind of. Towards the middle of the movie, one of the drones comes into the sky tower. The way it comes in, yeah, too. It's, it's, oh, yeah, it's trippy. It's really trippy. One thing I was reading about, one of my dislikes, one of my trashes, is there's an interesting plot hole that I was reading. I don't, I'm kind of curious on your guys' thoughts. So There's an interesting? There's like several? Well, I mean... <laughs> I mean, yes, the movie reminds me of The Matrix, and yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of interesting things about this movie, but there's one plot hole that kind of caught my attention that I was reading about. The first drone that Tom Cruise goes after, he ends up able to fix with the gum. 
Oh, yeah. um, that, they, they call that drone uh, 166. That's the number on the drone. So all the drones have unique numbers on it, but that one's 166. A little bit later on the film, when he falls through and they shoot that the, the scene in the New York library, that's also drone 166 that kind of saves Tom Cruise, essentially. So it's the same drone. Once he gets Julia, uh, Olga's character, and they're flying later on in the movie, uh, there's three drones flying them. Again, one of them is 166. Two of the drones get disabled, but one follows them a lot longer. They end up disabling the drone. Uh, Tom Cruise shoots it through the window with his handgun, and it falls to the ground. Anyway, this is where Tom Cruise finds the other Tom Cruise clone. Sorry, spoiler alert. They're really close to drone 166. Jack 52. Yeah, so they find Jack 52, I apologize. So Jack 49 finds Jack 52. Anyway, long story short, he, he pulls, they, they get into a fight. The drone 166 turns on. He disables it by pulling its, its power source. So later on in the movie, he's with Morgan Freeman, the group that essentially is left on the planet, and they're planning to disable the Tet. A Tet that's supposed to take him to Titan eventually in a couple yeah. weeks. That's, that's, that's the whole plan. So anyway, Morgan Freeman's group has disabled a drone. In the middle of this, they're, they're preparing to put all the nukes on this drone, send this drone up to kill the, the Tet. In the middle of this, three other drones come in and, dis, and just destroy the whole plan. I know this is a long story, but Morgan Freeman and Tom Cruise decide to go up and essentially, again, spoiler alert, yeah, Suicide sacrifice mission. themselves yeah. in order to destroy the Tet. The one thing that's kind of weird, and here's the plot hole that I'm talking about, is this drone 166 could have played a huge role in this movie, Drone 166 is just disabled out in the desert. It's just sitting there. So what they could have done, as opposed to having Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman drive, you know, fly up with all the power cores to destroy the Tet, Tom Cruise could have just gone out. He's a repairman. He knows how to repair these drones. With gum. They have, yeah, with gum, no <laughs> less. But he has plenty of power cores. He could have plugged his power core, one of the power cores, one of the, the 10 that they had, plugged it into this drone, and they could have loaded this drone up and then saved Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman. But remember that this drone is already hostile towards him. That was the same drone that was trying to kill him when he escaped. But don't you think that Tom Cruise being, you know, the, te the, the, the technician, the one that is supposed to not only repair, but... He can reprogram them. He can reprogram. He, re they, he helped. He facilitated reprogramming the one that Morgan Freeman had as well. I think time would be an issue. Like, they don't have enough time to go all the way back out to another zone, bring that drone all the way back to Sally the Sally was already onto him. Yeah, they were already yeah. onto him, and they didn't have enough time because they had the assault on the base. They survived. That drone got damaged, and Sally was already sending another pack of drones, like nine drones or something, to come kill them all. So I don't. I think they were pressed for time, and that's why it didn't happen. But oh, I, I see what you're saying. But though. don't you think that if they would have... I mean, because it's already played you know, a role in this film. Oh yeah, it would have been, like, been kind of cool. Yeah, it would have been happened. cool. Like, you wouldn't have had the epic. You wouldn't have that great the, dialogue between Sally and uh, we'll get Jack to Harper. We'll yeah, well that, well that, Sally. Well, that. And as fortunate as unfortunate as this would have been, it could have set it up for maybe multiple movies. So now we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. Well, I, again, I'm thankful that they didn't go this route <laughs> um, and didn't set it up this way. I just thought it was interesting to think about. Like this one drone just kept showing up, you know, time after time. Yeah, I just feel like they they could have used it. It would have been interesting if they went that route. Okay. Bling, why don't you tell us your trash and treasure for this movie? Okay, so my treasure for this film, and I, like I said, after seeing it now a second time, the shots are just amazing. So you get this picture of this dystopian world. Uh, I love how they use a lot of wide-angle shots to kind of show how beautiful 
this, this, I mean, it looks beautiful for, for a post-apocalyptic world. I love the use of CGI for the computer tech, the, the drones. In some films, you, you know, they have bad CGI. You, you could tell, like, oh, this is fake. I don't even know who did the CGI. I don't know if you've, you found that information about that. I know... It wasn't ILM. It's two different ones. Yeah, so it, the shots were amazing. So from a visual standpoint, whoever did the, did the cinematography, great. It was a, it was a really good visual um, film. Okay? okay. So that's the thing I did enjoy. The trash... <sighs> Too many to choose from, I get it. I think the pacing is what really kind of kind of destroyed the film because it, it started off great. To Mugga's point, it had a really good opening scene and then two minutes set the backstory for the whole film, so like, great. But then it just kind of dragged. Like, you get, there's the scene with the two drones kind of creating the back, well, further backstory and then there's a scene after, you know, Morgan Freeman's character says, hey, Go check out but the you didn't think they're necessary, though? I mean, like, it, it, I think it he, been, little it, by little, he's chopping down the tree I, to I, find I, out, I, hey, I something's think, I up. I think it could have been done better because it felt like it just dragged too long. And I feel like that time could be better use, maybe developing a backstory for the Tet, for the scavengers. Yeah. I just felt like it dragged way too long. And I'm even looking back, I was like, they could probably could have cut this scene out or you can shorten it because I feel like I, I knew it was kind of necessary. That, that's the thing, too. They did a lot of foreshadowing to kind of prolong the twist. I think that's what they did. You know, they built up this long film with a bunch of twists, and then once they revealed the twist, it just kind of ends, ends immediately. And I felt like wow. the ending was not long enough. It no, was that, way that's too the thing. Short. That's, yeah. It's the pacing. I felt like they they built up so long of the prolonging the twist that they had to skimp on the actual grand finale. My treasure for this movie, uh, I'm agree with y'all, is that the movie looks amazing. It looks fantastic. The cinematographer for this movie, uh, his name is Claudio Miranda. And he also did the cinematography for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, wow, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Tron Legacy, Failure to Launch, and Life of Pi. He actually got nominated for Best Cinematography for both Benjamin Button and Life of Pi. Um, if you haven't seen either did of those movies... No, he didn't win, but he, he was nominated twice. Once again, the special effects and visual effects are amazing, along with the practical sets. If anybody who hasn't seen this movie, if I were to compare it to one thing, it would be the aesthetic of Destiny, the video game. It definitely, yeah, it definitely has that feel. So if you've ever played Destiny and you've never seen this movie, this movie kind of looks like that. Although this movie did come out several years beforehand. My, ooh, my trash with this movie is is the ending. I, I don't agree with the pacing being an issue. I think the pacing is fine. It makes me care about Jack, his his curiosity with the human world as it existed pre-invasion. I like that the movie spends time making us believe the world is one way only to flip it on its head. So we think that all the humans are way on Titan or on the Tet, which is a space station, and then boom, his you know, this girl drops out of the sky. We think that she's a person from the colony until boom, we find out, damn, that's his wife. Then we have another twist where he's not the only Jack. I, I think the twists keep on coming because the movie sets up expectations and turns it on its head creating another set of expectations and then continuously turning on its head. And I think these are great things that happen in the movie and that, that would also be my treasure. My trash is just the ending. For all that we've built up, for all that we've been going into, this kind of relatively slow pace that I enjoy, the character building, I think that that ending is way too quick. We just fly up and detonate everything. There, there should have been more weight to that. You know, I thought they'd try to do that with the whole reading of... Uh, 
was it Horatius? Horatius, yeah. yeah. I thought I thought that was a nice thing, you know, kind of yeah, tying that. Shadow that that in the, when he Tom when he finds the book, he yeah. finds the book, and you're like, oh, that's from the book he picked up. That's a yeah, which is uh, what was it the Lays of Roman or whatever? Yeah, yeah something like that. But yeah, I, I did appreciate that they tried to bring that full circle, but that ending was way too quick for me. Darren, what uh, what are your trash and treasure? Being somebody who only saw this movie once, um, I don't have as much as you guys, but I do feel like I have a lot of the same thoughts about the movie as you guys. Uh, My treasure, obviously, with a graphics background, the visuals are stunning. Finding out that the, the top of the tower shots were not CGI, they were actually filmed and used with the screen, I thought that was amazing. Um, the CGI is seamless throughout the movie. Uh, a lot of times in movies, and not to pick on it, but Star Wars, sometimes you can tell where the CGI characters are coming across the screen, where they're interacting. The actors don't seem so into the scene because they're not seeing what they're uh, interacting with. You don't get that in this movie. Very seamless, and I thought that was amazing. The the elements of the movie, all the elements are there. There's the narration of the backstory at the beginning. It jumps you into the story immediately. There's a love story. There's suspense. Multiple plot twists. Um, it keeps you hanging on throughout the movie, kind of like a magic trick. You know, you think you know what's going on, and then at the end it twists, and you're just like, holy shit, what just happened? I need to watch this again. So I, I thought that was great. And then obviously you have the stars, Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman. Two of the best to do it. And from two sides of the spectrum. You know, Morgan Freeman's the the intellectual, soft-spoken, wise old guy in all his movies. Then you got Tom Cruise, the, you know, the action star. They counterbalance each other very well. My trash. Here we uh, go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Mugga likes the movie, so I got to start there. That's already trash um, right there. I'm already going into it with a... Zero dollars. You know, yeah. I'm already going to it, into it with a bad mindset, so... Some of the things I noticed towards the end, you you guys made mention that the movie was rewritten a couple different times. The script was written a couple different times. The similarities I noticed towards the end, them going into the mothership, Independence Day. I was thinking the same Um, thing. Exactly. I was like, okay, I've seen this before. I get it. I know exactly what's going to happen without knowing. You know, they're delivering the package. Here comes the mother load. Sayonara. Send you to oblivion. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. And then right when they pull into the mothership, you have another famous movie. You got the human embryonic pods who fire in the sky. You see that in that mothership where you see all the people, you know, being developed. And it's just like, okay. Or Matrix. Or the Matrix. Or Matrix. Oh, there you go. I didn't even think about that. Steals from a bunch of movies. I agree. So they they rewrote this movie a couple different times. (laughs) They rewrote it a couple different times, but they stole things from some pretty iconic movies. Didn't like that. So, yeah, I, I don't have a lot. Uh, the only other thing that I made a note of, they have the Garden of Eden scene, you know, where they have the water, the fish. They got all these plants. But then in the middle of the movie, they show how hard it is to grow that little plant that he wanted to give as a gift. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's from the Garden of Eden. He could have, like, brought her a tree, you know? So uh, some of my trash. Um, I'm going to have to watch the movie again. I'm sure I'll come up with more. But to say the least, I did like the movie more than I did. There you go, movie, baby. There so. you go. We'll take it. Um, I'll give you that, Mugger. I'll be honest, Darren. That looked really, really painful for you to say right now. <laughs> and I totally understand. I understand. I've been thinking about it throughout this whole podcast, whether I wanted to give him that credit. Uh, so, Mugga. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. What's your Here treasure and treasure for this film? <laughs> so, I'll start off with my trash. And I back me up. Feel free to chime in. 
I, I did think if I had to pick something that's wrong with this movie, I thought the ending was really fast. Was it so much to put into one movie? Could they have made this into two or a trilogy? I mean, I don't know. That's the one thing I've always wondered. I mean, what do you guys think? I, I, I think mean, that I, this I, could have been a great trilogy. This would have been even a great show, I think. Oh, could, you're taking it to TV show now? No. Well, like, TV's good streaming, now. Yeah, Netflix, streaming Netflix? Amazon? I think this could have been just one episode. Because they go fast at the beginning, they go fast at the end, and they have all this stuff in the middle, which is all necessary. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if they rushed like everything to put into one movie, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, because you have to take into account that this was like a two-hour-long film. Yeah. And it, was, and it was written as a graphic novel. Right. And yeah. those kind of stretch out the plot. Right. Yeah. But you look, you look at graphic models that went to streaming instead of being on a film, like The Walking Dead, for example. How much better would this have been if, if we were a streaming show where we'd get episodes just maybe dedicated to even like the scavengers yeah, or yeah. The, the Ted or you know or even Tom Cruise's character? Which is, is why I love it. I mean, you're just backing me up, man. I, I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, if that's one thing that I had to put as wrong, but one of the things that I did love, I always love like when you watch The Prestige. Have you guys ever seen that movie? Yes. Yeah, at at the, the very end when it has that, whoa, what the heck just happened? Something you found out. You, and I'm not comparing this to The Prestige, but I'm just saying there's like three times that I thought that that like, where you're like, what is going on? The scene with Morgan Freeman, with Tom Cruise, and you're like, wait, the scabs are people. Okay, what the hell's going on? And then Julia's his wife. I think, what's the third one? When you find out Tom He's Cruise a is a clone. Yeah, it's like, it, you're like, what? And so you have to watch it again. I mean, I've watched it many times, and I still want to watch it again and again. You catch on things, you know. I don't. And that's that's. I think that's my my my, so my that, treasure of it. It's just like where it just throws you those like little like. It's engaging. Whoa. Yeah, it's there you go. And then engaging. I know Bling. You keep saying it's it's long, and it's, I, I feel like the story just really kept me going the entire time because there's so many times you're like, wait, what just happened? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I love that about it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I did the, the second time. I did, I did. I did enjoy. Like I said, but then, but then there's also a lot of things. Like so the finale was. We all can agree that the finale was kind of weak yeah. uh, and then he even left on a cliffhanger and all of a sudden Jack 49 is dead but then Jack 52 comes into the last scene well, we don't know if it's Jack 52 we, yeah, oh, it, oh it is yeah it is yeah you're right it is and also there's a twist that all of a sudden there's a kid so she got pregnant no they hooked up when they were at the lake spot remember yeah. That first time he brought her back, it went to scene to black, so but yeah, it was batting a thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, one for one on the yeah, like so after... he never gets Vicka pregnant, but the one yeah. time he hangs out with Julia, right. I mean, yeah, that right. could be that could be uh, you know a byproduct of them being clones. Like they could have done things to make sure that they don't reproduce. Like I mean, look at it this way: the Jack Fifty Two, you know, Vic Fifty Two, they were romantically involved too. Right. She she gave him a kiss. That was a good scene though. Yeah. Speaking of which, like when he goes to the other tower and she's like, you're not going to be give me a kiss before you leave and she kisses him and like the look of like disgust no chemistry yeah no not even the no chemistry but he's just like this is all a lie i can't believe like this is all fabricated i can't even be a part of this like i thought that was a really great scene yeah yeah Yeah. did you like how the photo that is used throughout the movie of vika and and jack is finally shown at the very end in the nasa scene yeah i I thought that was and i thought that was like the coolest thing in the world like wait that every yeah there you go and that's kind of that's kind of the scary thing about it like even even that romance is fabricated and the girl god it's not who's the girl that vicka talks to sally sally Sally. i couldn't even think of it yeah so she's the actual person what down in houston i guess yeah i I loved that i thought that was like so cool like things they could have gone a little bit more into detail on that scene but yeah i I get it It they tied a lot of that up which I appreciate like I I wasn't even thinking about the photo 
at, even after the second time you saw yeah. it at uh, 52, I wasn't even thinking about that until they showed it. And I was like, damn. It's at, both, they, it's at both houses. Yeah. yeah, it's at both houses. Yeah. And then, can I, I just, and you're going to think I'm weird, but did you guys catch like, also the Universal logo at the very beginning, yes, how they incorporated yes. the Tet, yeah, right? Yes. Tell me that's not the coolest so thing in yeah, the world. So, yeah. The famous, iconic Universal logo, and right there, there's the Tet. Jason's taking a beer now because he wants to chime in. But I thought that was like one of the coolest things because I didn't notice it when I first watched it, yeah. and I don't even think after a couple times, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, okay, that has such... Is that like in a, the opening? Yeah, so you didn't even notice yeah, it. Yeah, like the yeah, the, you uh, see the Tet going around right before the Universal logo comes yeah, out, it's, around it's, orbiting it's a the shot Earth. From space. Yeah, the mind blown. Shot from You're space. welcome. Go watch so, it again tonight. All right. So, um, one of the other things I noticed, I don't know if you guys are into like PlayStation games, but you notice that the destroyed moon looks a lot like the logo from Final Fantasy VII. I've never like, played Final you've Fantasy. You never played Final Fantasy VII. Now that you say that, it does it look does. very familiar. Yeah, it's yeah, very familiar. There's a lot of shots of it, and it just again yeah. something stolen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of something stolen, did you notice that the alarm in the ship? It's the same sound that Sonic the Hedgehog makes when he jumps. Really? It's the same sound. Also, also just added to the list of uh, stolen. Also, stuff. the guns look like they're from Halo. I don't know if that was me, but they, they, the guns that Tom Cruise used. I'm like, I thought we were all just starting to get along, <laughs> and now you guys are like really throwing this out there. Come on, yeah. like come on. I will say this though, like I love the scene where he he gets caught with Julia on the Empire State Building, and he flies back, and he wants Vika to open the door, and she has to tell Sally that they're not an effective team. I thought that was like a really emotion, yeah, it was really intense, intense yeah. scene, yeah. And then and then she quickly dies, like yeah. right then and there, right afterwards. And the coolest thing is, is that was it the the. Um, I got air quotes on me. The damaged drone that was in their basement was never really damaged at all. It was just a failsafe to kill them both. Which is why they would never send, send exactly. them the parts, actually. Yeah. Exactly. Which is kind of interesting, too, because, Darren, you're talking about how Tom was batting a thousand with uh, Julia. <laughs> I guess we'll never know of Vicka because she got incinerated pretty quickly thereafter. So I mean, you never <laughs> know. She could have been pregnant, too. I don't know. Also, um, makes me wonder what's going to happen to. You know, assuming the other 50 jacks that are out there, because we kill 49 and we have 52, so there's what 50 left, right? Yeah, they never talked about that. Yeah, the rest of them. There must be 50 other jacks. There's got to be at least, right? Yeah, no, no, there's there's got to be a lot more. There's 51 vicas out there. Think about that. There has to be around the world. So in America, where are they at? I I would have loved to see some closure on that. How all that got resolved? Maybe a number two's coming out, guys. Maybe doubtful. I hope not. Too oblivion, too furious. Maybe. I don't know. Starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Starring Tom Cruise. Yeah. And Tom Cruise. <laughs> and Tom and Cruise. And Tom Cruise as Jack. All right, we get it. And, yeah. Does anybody have anything else they want to bring up about the movie? Jamie Lannister made a cameo. Oh, yeah, he's in it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of surprised me. Yeah, Good shout out to him. So let's get into how much we would pay to watch this movie. Jason, how much would you pay to watch Oblivion? You know, this is like the first time I'm really bummed about the increments we use for our ticket prices because I'm torn right now. I mean, I, I will say that I enjoyed the movie a little bit more this time around. Again, when we're talking in Iceland, when they're filming, when you're talking about how, you know, there's light, you know, 24 hours, you know, the director talks about his magic hour shooting, you know, between these seven and eight hours and the shots that they get with the lighting and everything like that. Like they, they do some really cool things with the tower where the whole panoramic view of the screens, instead of using a green screen. One thing we didn't talk about was the football stadium, that they actually found a crater in Iceland 
to recreate that football stadium scene. I thought that was kind of, they, they used the crater, but then they built the football stadium around it. Uh, one thing that does bug me is multiple times on the extra credit scene of this movie, Mugga said that the intro was two minutes and 37 seconds. It's not uh, at all. It's actually four minutes and 45 seconds. Ooh. I timed it. Uh, Ooh, so geez. way off on that. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, what I would give this movie, I think, you Dick. know. Dick. <laughs> I'd point it out, man. I, I think. He's going they, 15. He's he going 15. I, I, you know what? I. I'm going to hate myself in the morning for this and I'll probably need a beer immediately after this statement, but I'm going to say, I'll give it $15. Yeah. It's on record. It's on record. Beer me, bro. All right. Bling. How much are you paying to watch Oblivion? Okay. So the first, after seeing it the first time, I, I was saying, you know, I'm only going to pay five bucks for this film. Okay. This and, and to me, I, I'm partial to sci-fi films. I love sci-fi flicks, you know, just the fantasy aspect of it. But after seeing this movie a second time, I actually did appreciate, I got a better appreciation for the film. It's like I said, there are some glaring plot holes. Pacing, like I said, I mentioned in my trash was, you know, a little off. But I would pay, I would recommend $10. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, $10 from Blink. It's a little low, but all right. More than fair. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to it right now. I'm paying 15 why? When I first saw this movie, I was just expecting typical sci-fi fare. Oh, there's aliens, you know, this and that. But I really think the director, the writers, they got me. They got me multiple times. When you find out the scavengers are human, when you find out he's a clone, when Julia's his wife, and all the flashbacks and everything, everything ties together. Everything but the ending works for me in this movie. I love the aesthetic. I like how it sets itself apart from other movies. The only problem I have is the ending. I'm just gonna go with 15. I think I, I would definitely pay 15. Upon watching it a third time uh, today, I realized I like this movie a lot more. I was prepared to give it a 10, but watching it again today, it's refreshing, you know? Like, it's refreshing my memory about how good this movie was, so I'm saying 15. Darren, how much would you pay? So, after listening to everything you guys have said, I have only seen the movie once. Based on that, I paid $3.99 to rent it. I did the same. <laughs> same. Uh, there's a lot of things I liked, like Kerwin says, the aesthetics, the visuals, the CGI. They're they're amazing. Um, having a graphics background, uh, I connected with that immediately. Um, hearing some of the the behind the scenes stuff that Mugga was talking about, um, the Haleakala Crater, Iceland, now the football crater that you're talking about, it, it all fits so well together. I've only seen it once, like I said. I am gonna rent it again for $3.99. That puts me at $8, can't do eight, so I'm at 10. Um, if I see it again, it might bump me up. For now, I'm gonna stick with 10 bucks, $10. Dang. That's right. what I'm going Our with. Our guests are brutal. They just didn't ever go out. All right, well, I'm that's sorry. it. And that's after seeing <laughs> it once. So. All right, that's the um. show. All right, Mugga, how much... <laughs> Surprise us with how much you're going to pay. So I, I was going to say 15 prior to us starting it. And I just feel like by you guys saying what you said, I feel like you've gone up and I think oh, collaborative. Comes. I think I'm going to give our first $20 rating oh. on the history of the show. I'm going to go. Oh, I know I, you can't. We can't all give it a $20 I feel like rating. That's his rating. Yeah, oh, his rating. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give it, it. This is one of my top 25 films and all that. I would pay to see it all that. I'm going to pay the max amount $20. That's I'm giving fair, it 20 Okay. So we got a 15 and we have a 10, another 15, another 10, which is still low with the 20. And we are giving this a $14 rating right now. $14. That's how much we would pay to see Oblivion. 
Everybody cool with that? No, it should be higher. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I'm going to regret this in the morning, but yeah. I feel I feel like it should be higher than 14. I, I think you should ask me in about really? two years. See, two, see, so, see, gonna, so does this thing get a better rating as time goes on? Well, that's the thing. Is some, some films, you know, some films age really well, and then... Some films, they when you think about it, like ah, this is not as good as it is. That makes, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe maybe we just come back to it every year. Crossing my fingers, that I'll have happen. to comment on Fuck the post you, once Sally. it's uploaded, and maybe I'll raise my score. But until I see it again, I'm at ten dollars. Everybody, we're paying out. Was it fourteen? Fourteen even. Fourteen dollars to watch Oblivion. Anything else you guys want to bring up? No. I'm so glad we got this out of the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we would have been bugged about <laughs> thank this. Thank you guys for having yeah, me. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for being here. Um, so one thing I want to talk about ties into Mission Impossible. The scene where he's on the cable and going into the library, it's and he and his rope snaps. It's a top-down shot, but he's face up facing the camera and he's dressed in all white, falling against a black background which is very similar to the shot of him falling in Mission Impossible, black against a white background. So that's one thing that I thought was really cool. And because this is a Tom Cruise movie, Tom Cruise starts running (laughs) at 18 minutes and 42 seconds when he's in the sinkhole library being attacked by the scavengers. So that's when Tom Cruise starts running in this movie. Speaking of that, did you guys notice when he got cut from the cable and his gun fell down that little sinkhole area, the gun, when it bounces, you can totally tell it's rubber and it like, like, like just totally flimsy. Like it's the worst thing in the world. Didn't want to bring that up, but whatever. Again, I'm going to watch it again. <laughs> well, you, you got, if you're going to bring that up, you got to bring up the part where um, his foot gets trapped in that bear claw kind of oh, yeah. contraption. But then right after he frees himself, he runs for a little bit, jumps across, grabs onto the ledge, gets up, and then starts to hobble. I just feel like it's like, I feel like it's instant pain, but I don't know, Tom Cruise. When you got a physique like that, though, man. That is very true. Listen on that note, please, Kerwin. (laughs) All right, so thank you, everybody, to listen in to uh, $20 Ticket. And uh, in the words of Tom Cruise, fuck you, Sally. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, and thank you for listening.